Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I invite you to join me as we explore what it looks like to choose joy in the messy middle while embracing the inspiration, intention, and action that you can take to find joy in your everyday. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 294. Here on Jumpstart Your Joy, Oh, wow. So this week's show is a look back episode that's part of the summer fun, fall fun series. (laughs) As we bridge the gap in between season six and seven, it's always fun to go back and look at some of these conversations that I've had that just really stand out. Now, this week is a little bit different because what I've decided to do is take a look back at my season one finale, where I did a countdown for the most downloaded episodes of that season. And season one, of course, was super special because it was me trying on this brave new thing. I'd had this idea to start a podcast as I was finishing up life coach training and I just ran with it. And I didn't know what I didn't know. My first seven or so guests, if you go back and listen, were all people that I knew and that I was really excited to have on the show. And it really was just a big experiment to see what I could do. And I loved it. I loved it so much. The promise that I made to myself starting out that first year was that I would do 52 episodes, no breaks, and just see what happened. So As I look back at uh, some of the most downloaded episodes literally in the last 90 days as of this recording date, which is in September of 2021, this episode, which is a countdown episode from five years ago, it's still it's sitting in the top 10 most downloaded for this last 90 days. Amazing. And I think it's fun because it does give you some insights as to the topics and the people that I was covering in that first season. And there might be some that you really want to go back and listen to. So let me first address um, one of the things. This is the original recording from back in 2016. And the sound on this episode is a little bit, hmm, it's a little bit a lower quality than what I would have on the on the podcast now. So that's a little crackly. And I was recording over Skype, which I don't use anymore. So some of the sound can't be corrected. And it just is what it is. But I also think it's really special to go back and hear the joy in my own voice, as I introduce each of the conversations that I had, and to really relive those great moments. So if you're new here on Jumpstart Your Joy, and this is your first introduction, I want to give you a very warm welcome and say you're in for a treat. If you want to find out more about myself or the show or hear some of the more recent episodes, you can go over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. This episode, I will save the show notes for it at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash episode 295. And while you're there, if you like what you hear and you want to find out some more, be sure that you have subscribed to Jumpstart Your Joy. I don't always talk about that because I think most people know that they should subscribe to a podcast. But you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, literally anywhere that you listen to audio, you will also find Jumpstart Your Joy. So be sure and hit the subscribe button so that you get those episodes automatically downloaded to your device and you can catch up each week as they get released. And if you want to go a little bit deeper on some of the stuff that goes on with Jumpstart Your Joy, you can find the newsletter right there on the homepage of jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can also find a place where you can purchase the book that I wrote 
in this year, which is Jumpstart Your Joy, Heart-Centered Ways to Find Joy in the Messy Middle. It was a total labor of love, and I'm really excited about how it turned out. You can purchase that still on my website. So I think without further ado, let's tune in for the top 10 most downloaded episodes in season one of Jumpstart Your Joy back from 2016. So for this week, I have the biggest treat for you. It is the top 10 most downloaded episodes and an update from almost all of these top 10 guests. It has been such a pleasure to reach back out to each of them and hear back on how joy has played a role in their life since we last spoke. And so how this episode is going to work, I'm going to reveal each of these top 10 guests in the order that their episode originally aired, except for the number one download. We'll leave that to the very end because it is exciting and I'm happy to share an update as well. So it's kind of a mashup. You'll hear either an excerpt from the original episode, but in many cases, I do have a brand new update from each of them in their own voice that I cannot wait to share with you. So first was episode number one with Kathleen Davies, my dear friend, former roommate and Presbyterian preaching pastor of a church in Houston, Texas. And I really loved what Kathy had to say about her congregation and the love and light status that they hold and some of the social justice that they do in her very special congregation. And here she is in her own words. It's good. It's been exhausting and and really rewarding. And I give a lot of credit to my husband who jumped in with both feet, you know, and then my parents joined the church. And so, you know, what's better than getting your mom to church? Like, so awesome. I mean, it's hard to, to not feel like every sermon's a good sermon when your mom is there saying, that was so great. You're like, thanks, mom. But the church has grown exponentially during that time, really beyond what I could have possibly foreseen or imagined. We have far more new members than we had, like, remate, like original members. Three quarters of them are new members at this point. And it's just impossible not to have it be all encompassing. I mean, I think, you know, if you're going to buy into that idea of community and relationship, then you're in it. And it just becomes a new family. And a lot of these people don't have families that accept them. So the church is their family and in the church is their sanctuary. And, you know, the church does become that kind of hub of their life. So that is where they are serving and that is where they are learning and that is where they're worshiping. And and that's really an ideal situation for me, that that's what the church has become. I think that being part of a church that has a history of activism was a little uncomfortable for me. And I really told them at the beginning, like, I'm, I'm not your firebrand, like I'm your shepherd and I will support you but I don't really want to be on the news a lot. Like, that's not really what I'm called to do. And so the things that we were asked to come and be a part of, we were really discerning and trying to figure out, you know, where we wanted the spotlight shown on us or not. And then I think this thing happened in Charleston and everything just changed, you know, and then it wasn't us getting on the news because we were blessing, you know, a lesbian holy union. Like we're getting on the news because we're saying that the church is, need to reclaim their sense of sanctuary and safety and that we will not be part of systemic racism and that we stand with our brothers and sisters. And I mean, there are times when you could be on the news just to be on the news, 
<laughs> and then there are times to be on the news because you're standing in solidarity with people. And so I really try to be careful about that because we have options to really get a lot of publicity. I don't know. I think the only real real reason to be on the news is if you're promoting, you know, the abundant life that we believe um, is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what is prompting us to live this way and be this welcoming. At the time our episode first aired, the Supreme Court had also just ruled on marriage equality. And so Kathleen had some beautiful things to say about that and one of the first ceremonies that she would be performing for a same-sex couple. So like 7, 17 a.m., these two women are coming together to take communion and to become legally a married couple. And it is the church's great joy to be able to officiate that service. But there will be no news invited, <laughs> no cameras other than their own photographer. You know, um, it's not a spectacle. It's a covenant. And I think that's part of trying to you know, trying to change the definition and, and trying to change the understanding of what marriage is for us and what marriage is for everyone, that it's not a spectacle, that it's, it's a commitment and a covenant. And the church blesses that. And the church is thrilled that now there's also a document that we get to sign that makes it legal. Like, that's, that's really thrilling. I'm so proud of Kathleen because she was also recently featured in the Houston Chronicle. I will provide a link to that article in in the show notes, congratulations, Kathleen, and congratulations on another year of being the pastor for Servant and Savior in Houston, Texas. Yay! The number two, <laughs> the next top 10 contributor is episode number three, and that is Matthew Wood, supervising sound editor at Skywalker Sound and the voice of General Grievous throughout the Star Wars franchise. It was such a delight to get to speak to him. And a couple of my most favorite moments in that interview were when he talked about how he got the role of General Grievous. And so let's hear what he has to say about how George Lucas picked him for that part. I, I did this thing called the Summer Training Congress, which was like 50 hours a week of scene study work, Shakespeare voice work, body movement, dancing, stage combat. Had, they just had this almost like a mini MFA program that you could do over a summer. Mm -hmm. And that just changed my life. It was so incredibly fun and inspiring. And that gave me some courage. I'd done some little bit parts here and there in the Star Wars movies, but nothing like uh, General Grievous. We were putting that character together. And the, one of the last things that comes down the pipe, because he's a completely digital character, would be his voice. And George was really trying to find something very specific. And we were auditioning lots of different actors. And I was involved in the recording of those actors and was also involved uh, in the processing of how that character was going to sound because he was a cyborg. So we had to put this kind of somewhat like almost like you're a filter, like he's talking through a, a phone speaker or something. It has a, a very, a very filtered kind of synthesized sound. And so once we found that, I, I would apply that same process to all the different actors for the audition process. And George really wasn't getting exactly what he wanted, but I was the one thing that kept hearing what he wanted and like maybe a little more like this, maybe a little more like this. And so my buddy who I've worked with, one of the first guys I started out working here with, this guy named Chris uh, Scarabosio, he was like, you know, you should just do one. Why don't you just do an audition? Hmm. I was like, you're crazy. I can't do that, you know. And then he goes, no, 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 do it. You can do it. Get in front of the mic and do it. So I, I did a few auditions and then I put it in with the last group that we had just done, I put it in under a pseudonym. Oh, I just, I didn't even put it under my own name. And so I sent that in for George to evaluate. 
And a few weeks went by and all of a sudden I get the call from the producer that, hey, George has picked a voice. We got it. Like, you know, let's bring this guy in. And he gives me I, I had named all the files with the the initials of every person. So like mm-hmm. so I could be able to track it back to the list of actors that I had that I had. And I remember he gave me the initials and I look at the list that I had. I was like, it's not on there that those initials aren't on that list. I don't know what he's talking about. Like, oh, man, I must have screwed up and like not written down which actor that was. Oh, and I was getting worried that I had done something wrong because now, you know, the to- the clock was ticking for Industrial Light and Magic to start animating the, the voice of this character because they had done the majority of the work already and they just needed the mm-hmm. little nuances of the voice. And then I realized like, oh, my God, that's the initials to the, the fake name I produced. And that's all point. Started, like, I remember I started sweating like almost instantly. I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? I didn't believe it was going to go this far. And the next day I saw the producer at lunch and I was like, so he's like, hey, do you got that name? We got to get this guy out here like now. I said, well, Rick, it's it's me. <laughs> he's like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, he's like, well, what do you want me to do? And I was like, just tell George, just tell him. I don't care. Just tell him. And then sure enough, like I got back to my desk and I get a call from George Lucas and he's he was like, so I hear you're grievous, you know, and. I think that's great. We're going to come, going to come down tomorrow. We're going to record the whole thing. Wow. And so we did. And I remember even thinking, this isn't real. This is happening because, you know, I don't, this is just not, this is just temporary. Like this is a placeholder voice that they're going to use. And no, 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 I love it. And then we did this, we screened something for internally to some crew. And there's this guy, Walter Merch, who's a amazing sound designer, editor, director that works in the industry. who's a contemporary of George's. And he watched the film and he's like, I really like the sound of Grievous. And so, (laughs) my gosh. And he didn't know it was me. Yeah. So I didn't tell anybody in my family at all until the movie was out. I like didn't, (laughs) I didn't tell any, because it's like, I just couldn't believe that it was happening. I was like, they're really, I'm like, okay, so now they've definitely printed the film now. So it would be, it would cost them money to remove my voice. So they're not going to do that. So I remember like, Hey, I'm in the movie to everyone. They were like, what? You know? And, and George even, he took me aside into one of the last screenings. He's like, you know, your life's going to change from this. And I was like, what do you, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's nothing, but it certainly, it did, did it really, the thing that it, it let me do, which, which was almost letting things come full circle was I got to now, even though I'd worked in the company for whatever it was at that point, like 15 years, I now had a voice role, which is very different. Like the fans really wanted to meet this, the, you know, the character that the person that played Grievous. And so I got to go to a lot of fan conventions and meet a lot of fans and get like sort of in the trenches with the fans and, and myself being one. Also, it was really fun to see everybody so excited about the movie and want to talk about it. And even though I'd worked there for 15 years, it was like still the, the character, the one character that I had done Grievous really was the, the main thrust of people. And I was like, that's, fine with me. I love talking about it. And then another good friend of mine who works out here, Dave Filoni, who, who makes the Clone Wars series, put that character back in. He gave me a lot more opportunities to do more voices. And I got a couple of agents, one in San Francisco, one in LA, and they helped me get work. And it, it definitely opened up a lot of doors and just got me meeting people and, and seeing what the Star Wars phenomenon and how we're working out here at Skywalker Ranch in this very isolated nature preserve basically (laughs) and making these giant movies that are like you know this drop we put in the middle of a lake and you just kind of get to see it like reverberate all around the world and to do it to everybody to get exposed to star wars and just to see how it it, it, people are affected by it and all their opinions and everything it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible 
what I feel that just so much goodness around how he put himself out there and it was part training and and part courage and part just like Tiffany Hahn would say, crazy faith that he put himself out there to be considered for that role. And then, of course, eventually got it. The other thing that I really love that Matthew had to say was his answer to how does someone bring their dream into action? And he very eloquently wove together a piece of sound terminology with how he sees things coming into his life. And and so I'll let him explain this. <laughs> if right. someone listening has a big dream about how they can make a change in the world, what advice would you give them about bringing that dream into action? Mm, that's a good one. If you have if you have something you that you really want to bring into the world or manifest or create, if you can, I've found that it comes to you, you can manifest that by believing in it yourself. And it, it's like, it's a funny thing. Cause I used to think like, well, what does that even mean? Like, <laughs> but, but what I, I was talking about the general grievous story about how I got that, that job, everything kind of fell into place. And it was because of building that and I, you know, all the ways I said, said that it, it, it came together. I just feel like if you're, check in with yourself and if it's if and you can find out a lot like if you really want to do something and you have your your mindset on it and then like halfway through the process are you like you know what i actually i don't want to do this anymore but i really i i tried really hard but that actually frees you up to find out what you truly do want to believe in i mean i i i have always found that like i love mistakes i love you know when you do achieve your goals or when you don't achieve your goals i don't know it's like something those things work hand in hand to each other so I don't know, believing in yourself and actually it, it will come to fruition. There's one thing that I, I sometimes think that there's a um, a function that we do, and this is going to be an audio geek thing, but in the, the system we use to do a lot of sound editing, we're always kind of having to group a lot of things together. Like you'll have to like, let's say there'll be, you know, like a, the sound of a car crash and then it'll go into a gun battle and then it'll go into like an explosion and then it'll get really quiet and then it'll go. So there's all these different changes between environments and scenes. Mm -hmm. And there's this thing, there's this, this tool that we use. It's called a crossfade. Basically, it's just basically taking something's ending and something else's beginning or a fade. It's got, it's a fade where it's blending the two, the change from the, from moment A to moment B, you're blending those to have a, so it's not just such an abrupt change between those two moments. I find that like the crossfade or the fade up, it's also called. So if you're starting something really, um, if you want to creep something in very slowly, you can start fading it into the scene, like almost from an imperceptible sound level up to the, if it's unity, which is called like where you want it to be, that that's mm -hmm. the level that you want it to be heard at. Mm -hmm. I find that that fade tool, I'm always like, you know, I feel like, People are using that. Like if there's something I want to achieve, I'm like, I'm already doing it right now, but I'm just fading into it slowly and I'm going to get there. I'm totally going to get there, but I'm just like doing it this like long fade up into what I, mm. I don't know. That's like an audio term, but I always feel like if there's something I have my mind on, I just pretend like it's already happening and I'm just slowly fading into it. I love that. I don't Yes. <laughs> that's great stuff. I love it. Yeah, so kind of like living in the crossfade yeah. or yeah, having faith. It's already happening. It's like it's the, 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 the thing is already happening. I'm just fading up to it. I'm just leading myself there. It's going to happen. Since the episode aired with Matthew Wood, he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Sound Editing for Star Wars The Force Awakens. Congratulations. The next member of the top 10 is 
Molly Larkin, who was on episode 10. She's a life coach and a psychiatric nurse, and she sent in this very special message about what joy has looked like for her since our episode aired. Hey, Paula and Jumpstart Your Joy listeners. This is Molly Larkin, and Paula asked me to talk about what joy has meant for me in the past year. I have had a wild ride of a year, like big changes, and just surfing the wave of big changes in work and in love and internally as I navigate ways that I'm being asked to show up bigger in the world and also this internal call for a lot more silence and more space. And it occurs to me that joy is so connected for me with courage, that there's a lot of vulnerability in joy and It's about the courage to say yes to whatever shows up, like to allow my emotions, whatever they happen to be, to allow my experience to move in me and to move through me, and to really allow myself to be moved by life without shutting down or numbing out. You know, it's such an ongoing practice, and I'm by no means like good at it, but I notice that the more I practice non-resistance, the more aware I am that there's this deep spring of well-being that's bubbling beneath the surface of life, and it's there all the time. And I feel like the more I practice, the more I can stay connected to it, so that even when I'm caught in some of my million flavors of suffering, the awareness of that joy, almost like a, like, it's almost like a memory of it, it's still there. And What I feel called to more and more, like I mentioned, is silence and spaciousness. And for me, that's really the 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 um, practice of connecting to that deep spring of joy. That sense that everything is okay, no matter what my mind has to say about it. And you know, I resist the silence, but I'm learning that joy is a practice. It's a practice of turning toward whatever arises and saying yes. And that all kinds of possibilities and people and happenings show up in my life when I say yes to it all. Um, Joy really doesn't have much to do with my personal preferences or pleasures. And even though those things are great and I'm often quite attached to them, I really feel like I'm learning that joy is the deeper thing. Joy is the thing under it all, I think. I really loved her thoughts about joy being a practice and that it is something that takes so much courage to say yes to the things that come into your life every day. So thank you so much, Bali. It was a joy to hear from you again. The next member of the top 10 is Liz Ross, who was in episode 21, and she is the CEO of Periscope, which is an ad agency out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. She offered so so much insight around heartfelt leadership, and it was such a joy to get a written response from her, which I will now read for you. In the time since our episode, I gave birth to twin girls on April 17th. Joy for me took on a whole new meaning as I navigate the world of being a mom to three kids under three. I am finding that life is less about balance, a concept that sounds great in theory, and it's more about presence. I strive to ensure that every moment that I am at work, I am present, that I am working without distraction and fully engrossed in all that my job entails. Once I am home, I put away my phone and strive to be present for my kids. I resist the urge to do one more thing or read an interesting article that I saw earlier. 
As I mentioned in the episode, giving is at the root of joy for all of us. Whether it is in the form of a simple compliment to a stranger, our time to a colleague in need, or our undivided attention to family and friends. Seeking to embrace joy in all aspects of my life means looking for the positives with my whole heart. I was proud to be a part of season one of Jumpstart Your Joy, and I can't wait to see who is next. Thank you so much, Liz, and congratulations on the birth of your twin daughters. It is so exciting. And your words of being present and the reminder to put down the phone and and really be present for a family is such a beautiful reminder and one that I can relate to deeply being a mother myself. The next member of the top 10 is my friend and fellow coach, Lexi Koch, and she was in episode 35. She has also sent in a small update. She's also sent in an update about what joy has looked like for her. For me, joy is being okay enough in me to enjoy and live my life. Joy is knowing I'm blessed enough to choose where to move when we have to leave home because the air is too smoky. It's knowing that my husband will love me and cherish me even through my ugly tears and my breakdowns. It's putting out to the universe what I truly desire next and seeing it come to fruition only to now feel the next desires and know I too can manifest those. Joy is coming out of a wave of anxiety and landing in a beautiful life connected to beautiful people and intact. Joy is power walking the beach, earbuds in, listening to the lively show and feeling less alone. It's the sushi place down the road that we've become regulars at. It's having my kid know how to harvest and help at the farm and not even want to leave when it's time to go. It's moving heavy boxes of produce and pulling weeds and envisioning the plants I'll put in in the spring. Joy is a good night's rest followed by cuddles filled with smiles. It's the family flow in the summertime. Joy comes and goes daily like the tides of the sea. Uncatchable and also impossible not to feel. Joy is fleeting and expansive. It's gifted and sought after. Joy is crafted and intentional. Joy is in this moment. And so I'm feeling it. Thank you, Lexi. I love that your words are like breath and and that I can feel the emotion in them. It was a joy having you on the show, and I really thank you for sending in an update. The next episode that was in the top 10 is episode 36 with Holly Becker of the blog Decorate. She's an author of four books and also the founder of the Blogging Your Way e-course series. I just loved having Holly on the show. And some of the favorite things that we talked about were how to really make an impact as a blogger and someone with a voice and how to combat the imposter syndrome if it comes up. So here she is speaking about those two things. I always think about like when it comes to blogging and everything else, you really have to get yourself in the headspace and be positive about what you're doing. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. It does take time, but I think it's worth it. Even if you don't get the massive following that maybe you were hoping for, you may just really start to carve out more of what your passion is or find some good friends. You may find a whole new business that you want to evolve or get into. I mean, there's just, just get out there, just plant the seed and just see what happens. I love that. Yeah. Because it really is the first step, but maybe the serious, but it's also once you start to put the stake in the ground, you start to become more familiar with what your own voice is. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and another quick thing to share that is so important that I tell students too is that so many of my students come to me and they're like, Holly, you know, uh, I, there's so many other blogs out there, so much competition. When I say, how is that going to be any different from what everyone else is saying? And my answer is it never changes. Look at the recording industry. Look at the film industry. Look at the book publishing industry. Go to the bookstores. Go to all these record shops and look on, you know, iTunes. Look at all the music that's been made and continues to be made. Look at this and think to yourself, why am I thinking that there's not room in the world for another voice? If recording artists and film directors and all these people out there were sitting around saying, oh, you know, there's already so many films, I'm not even going to bother making a film. There's so much music, I'm not even going to bother going to music school or, or developing my passion. We'd have nothing fresh. We'd have nothing new. We'd still be listening to classical music. There'd be nothing out there. So I always tell my students, like, you've got to keep this in line when you're developing your content. This isn't fluff statement. This is real statement. Think about it. You know, if you stop putting your your voice out into the world where all these conversations are being held online every single day, there's millions of conversations online every single day. If you stop and you don't bother and other people stop and they don't bother, where is this ultimately going to lead? We're all driving each other forward. Our voices are all carrying out and driving each other forward. What I said today on the podcast may click in someone's head and drive them into a new place. What you said on your podcast yesterday, you know, may have driven someone somewhere in their life that was super positive direction for them. We don't know what we're putting out into the world, but if we don't put it out, then we do know because we're not getting anything back from it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Holly. I, I love that you're shining a light on that thing that holds so many people back of feeling like their approach or vision or voice is not original enough. And I think that it is so important for each of us to know and understand and believe that what we have to say is unique and different and loved your examples of musicians and, and other artists and filmmakers. And since our interview, Holly has released a fourth book and I will link to that. And she also released a couple of new courses, including an Instagram class. The next person in our top 10 is Jennifer Lee of Artisan Coaching and Right Brain Business Plan. I loved talking to Jen because she has such a no-nonsense approach about how to build a creative business, which fits nicely with some of what Polly was saying, because there is a lot of emotion that comes up. And I love how she just cuts through some of the angst and the emotion that can come up around having a creative business and really just encourages people to give that business the room to grow and to get an extra job if they need it to help support that business. And so Jen was kind enough to send in an audio file. So here is what she's been up to since our episode aired. Hi, this is Jennifer Lee of Artisan Coaching with some follow-up thoughts on what joy has been looking like for me since I was last on Paula Jenkins' Jumpstart Your Joy podcast. Well, I've definitely been spending more time in my studio painting, and that's been really wonderful and has sparked my creative joy and creative energy, and I've really enjoyed making more space for that. I've also been uh, really committing to a regular meditation practice. I Got myself a brand new cushion and a nice new altar setup uh, that I put together every morning to do my meditation. 
And one of the other surprising things that has brought me joy um, recently is that I hired a new team. I have a new business manager and a new virtual assistant, and they've been super awesome helping me streamline processes and improve infrastructure. And believe it or not, that definitely brings more joy, having smooth sailing systems in the business. And um, I've also been reading a lot, and I've definitely have enjoyed discovering the life-changing magic of tidying up. I've been obsessed with the KonMari way of folding, and I love admiring my sock drawer, looking at uh, all the organization, and that actually helps bring me joy as well. So those are just a few of the things that um, have been helping me jumpstart my joy recently. Thanks. And thank you, Jen. And she was part of episode 38. I love the self-care practices that she has outlined here and and love that she takes a whole Friday every week to spend time in her studio and painting. Definitely an inspiration to anyone who also has a creative business is to set time aside for play. And the next person in the top 10 downloads is episode 45 with Sharon Aldiger. Sharon and I had worked together several years ago at an advertising agency, interestingly enough, with Liz Ross, who was also in the top 10. Definitely a lot of love for both those ladies. Several years ago, Sharon was diagnosed with a brain tumor and had surgery done on it to remove it. And her words of inspiration really resonated with people. So glad that she was here to share her story. Really moved me by saying that her her circumstances at the time after she was out of surgery were not acceptable to her. I can fully understand that kind of a fighting spirit and a desire to overcome something in one's life. She also sent over an update, and here she is. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Paula. It was so much fun. What she is doing is truly a godsend. I am thrilled to be a part of spreading the love around our community and beyond. I want to do a quick follow-up and encourage everyone that finding your joy and embracing it is right there in front of you. It's waiting for you. No, it's screaming, here I am. I am the happy you have been searching for. I haven't left. I have always been here. Let's start now. You have this immense potential to live your fullest and to share your talent with those around you. Having been forced to see that my life so fleeting years ago, I didn't want to go to my grave knowing that I didn't live to all that I could be. I didn't want to go to my grave knowing that the unique talent only I have was not shared with the world, and I didn't get a chance to add value to someone's life with it. Today is a good day to start. Learn what you are good at, make a list of your great skills, no matter what they are, and research how you can help make the lives around you better with them. Then, here's the fun part. Take action. Before you know it, joy will be following you wherever you go, and you won't have much say in it. Much mahalo and aloha. Thank you so much, Sharon. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. The last of these top nine, before we get to the to the number one most downloaded episode of the show, is Marla Silly. She is the fly lady, and she was in episode 18 and 19 and 46. <laughs> She's the only person I've had on the show for three times, and it was really amazing to get to speak to her several times and have her share her wisdom about creating habits and routines and bringing more joy into your life. What I really loved that she talked about in episode 46 is what she defines as project mode, which is taking small steps every day to get a larger task done, but also 
putting your mind around what that means in your day-to-day life. And so here she is to speak about project mode. This project mode is really something for us to embrace because project mode doesn't, it's not, you know, with, with us sidetracked people, we want to get it all done. We want the house to be cleaned all at one time. We, we don't think we're cleaning unless we're spending eight hours. And I found from watching him that we can get into a little project mode with our home. We don't have to spend eight hours cleaning or all day Saturday cleaning. We can do five minutes here, two minutes there, 15 minutes decluttering. And, you know, it all comes together. It might not all come together at once, but we have to recognize that's our perfectionism that wants it to all come together at once. Right. Yeah. And that's so, that's so true. It's so funny because I'm looking out my back window and I've taken to filling our green bin, you know, with cuttings. Once a week, I just do as much as will fit into the green bin and then I'm done, right? <laughs> because, I mean, like, the yard's never done. No. It's growing and keep changing. And But if I can just, and that's all I can get rid of in a week. So that's just what I've taken to doing. And it's like, now it's, now it's a habit and a routine, you know, and, and that's, that's how I face it every week. And yeah, now I can notice that it, it looks better, but, but yeah, it's that I, if I went with all or none, there'd be no way to get rid of all of it either. <laughs> right. You just have to sort of dive into a little area and work your way around the yard so that you're not going to make one area shine as much as the other ones are, you know? So, right. Yeah. Move it around and you'll eventually, the encroaching vegetation will go away. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and that seems so true for the house, too, that it really is the baby steps of do as much as you can for these, for this set amount of time. I mean, that's, that's probably exactly where I got it was from the timer. You know, it's a contained amount of time and, and I can do this much and then I can be done. And, and a, a lot of people like to put their headsets on and go listen to a playlist while they do something in the yard or call a friend and talk to them on the phone while they're doing it. You can piggyback a couple of things with what you're doing I mean I love to listen to books mm-hmm. when I'm in project mode and I can actually remember it's weird when you're listening to a book you can remember what you were doing when you heard that thing and heard that portion yeah totally it's amazing it's it, I don't know what it is if our brain is just we're we're imprinting that memory on the left side of our brain it's just crazy to me that it works like that. And and I really, really love this story that she shared about a woodcutter. The head forest ranger was speaking at this tr- retreat, and he, he was talking about this, this logger who was a young, energetic kid, and he went out with a logging crew, and this is when they used axes. He went out with a logging crew and he cut down seven trees the first day. He was so happy he had cut down seven trees. And the next day he gets up, he eats breakfast, goes out with the crew, and he only cuts down six. And he he can't figure it out. So the next morning, he skips breakfast and just heads on out. And that day, he only cuts five. And he's just, you know, all puzzled at what's going on. And 
he tried it one more day on his own. He got up an hour early. He went out, kept cutting, 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 only cut down four trees. <laughs> and finally, he went to the superintendent. He said, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And he said, he said to this young man, you got to sharpen your axe. You see me every hour sit down and take the file and sharpen my axe. Not only am I resting, but I'm honing the axe to do a better job. We've got to remember that we have to take time out to just be, just relax. And so the most downloaded episode of Jumpstart Your Joy for season one was episode 20 with Danny Wood of New Kids on the Block. Oh my gosh, you guys, it was such a distinct honor to get to speak with Danny and to hear more about his album, Look at Me, which is a solo album that he created and all of the proceeds of this album go to his foundation, Remember Betty, those proceeds of which all go to help women with breast cancer. Danny had lost his mother, Betty, to breast cancer. And so it was for that reason that he started a foundation in her name. I was truly inspired and moved by the stories that he told about his mom and how much he loved her and the change that she made in his life and, and now in the lives of so many people. It really was a beautiful and amazing interview. And I just feel so, so lucky and blessed to have had him on the show. Since that show, I did get to meet him in person at one of his solo wood shows. So look for the image of me with Danny <laughs> on the website. Um, it was really special to get to give him a hug and tell him thank you in person. When I asked him for an update, he said that he just wanted to keep making more money to help breast cancer patients. And it really has been an exciting year for Danny. And thank you so much for being on the show. And so here's a little bit from Danny about what inspired him to write this beautiful album. Well, I learned, especially the past few years, I learned you have to realize the good that's come out of something so devastating for my family. The foundation I know my mother would be so proud of, and the work that we've done with breast cancer patients and what we do for them, she'd be so proud of. And I learned, there's a lyric in the song, hold on, you got to remember what we've gained. And it's kind of like through loss and tragedy, you can sometimes gain beautiful things. And the most beautiful thing from my mother passing is my daughters who were babies when she passed. They have memories of her now. Like she's, she's Nana. She's not, it's not, they have like a real relationship with her. And it's right. through the fans. It's through me. It's through my son who's 23. So he remembers her more and they have these memories and they, they're proud of it. They're proud of that. That was then Nana, even though she's not here, right. they take so much pride in that. That's, that was my mother. Danny also shared about how his mother, Betty, had been such an integral part of New Kids on the Block and the fan club. It was really fun having him reflect back on a really special memory that involved taking his mom out to dinner with Donnie Wahlberg and Donnie's mom, Alma. Actually, that relationship, it was like me and Donnie and Alma and Betty. Yes, like, yes. That was kind of like the crew. And, you know, for kids, for me and Donnie, like in that stage, at the height of hysteria, at least once a week, 
we would take them out to dinner. Like me, just mm-hmm. me and him, no bodyguards, no nothing. We're getting in the car. We're going to dinner. I have so many memories of like me and him planning, like, how are we going to do it this time? Like, we, you know, I, I, I yeah. get out the back of the hotel and, you know, and our management would be like, you can't be going around by yourself. And we'd be like, we're going, man, leave it. We're going. <laughs> we're going out with our moms. <laughs> yeah. and, fan, and fans have shown me pictures like of me and my mom just walking down the street, you know, like in some, in New York City or wherever it was. And I'm like, yeah, I was probably taking her out to dinner because that's what a good son does. And of course, his answer to how do you jumpstart joy in your life, in the world or other people's lives tied back to the wisdom that his mother had taught him growing up. And I felt like this was just the perfect and most special way to end this amazing finale show. What are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world or other people's lives? I think it's something my mother has always taught me is to try to be a better person yourself and people will follow. And that's kind of what I've always tried to do, even in the younger days of the new kids. I do with my children and with the fans and I try to help out anyone I can with information about living healthy and making it habit. Because, you know, that's, there's so many gimmicks out there, diets and that. Yeah. And I don't believe in any of that. I just believe in, you know, there's one right way to eat. And then you got to be drinking water. And then you got to work out. And, you know, right. you can work out many different ways. But the eating is the thing that this country doesn't get. So I try, that's how, that, I try to help people out like that by leading by example. And I think that's the way I can kind of jumpstart people. And so... That's a wrap on season one for Jumpstart Your Joy. Thank you so much for tuning in this week and always, of course. Um, I hope you loved that episode as much as I did. It's it's kind of one of those, I wish there was an equivalent in podcasting to the, you know, like reaction videos that you sometimes see on YouTube. Uh, it would be fun to intersperse my own commentary about this episode and about season one as I recounted it so many years ago. Um really was a joy. And I'm so, so grateful for all the people that have said yes through the years and have been on this show because obviously I couldn't have a podcast without some pretty amazing guests and without all of you, the amazing listeners too. So thank you so much. If you want to find out more about this episode or see some of the links to those other interviews that I had back in season one, you can find them jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash episode 294. Woo, almost 300 episodes. Can you believe it? And while you're on the website, you can also sign up for my newsletter, buy the book. And then one other piece of housekeeping is if you're a podcaster and you identify as female, I highly encourage you to join us all at She Podcast Live, which is the most amazing conference I have ever been to and that I will be speaking at for a second time. I'm getting to talk about joy, which, oh my goodness, how awesome is that? You can sign up. It's in October, so just a few weeks from now. And it's going to be in Scottsdale, Arizona at a beautiful resort. And that's that. I hope you'll come on back next week. We're kicking it off for season seven. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.